When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. I'm your host, Ajit. Today, joining me after uh, quite a while, I must say, is uh, Chetan. He, he alerts me it's a, it's a year since. Hello, Chetan. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Ajit. It's a very good thing that I am back and I would love to share my views along with you so that I hope the listeners will feel it informative. How have you been doing? How's your uh, tennis coaching and other things going on? It has been great and uh, even recently, I think Rohan Bopanna created history by winning the Australian Open men's doubles, becoming the oldest world number one and oldest pair as world number one team with Matthew Ebden. And I had the opportunity to play with him last April in our club. So that was very memorable. Lovely to hear. Well, at least one of us got a chance to rub shoulders with somebody of that international caliber. Now. I'll ask you, what did you make of India's performance? We'll start there in the first test. And where do you think they went wrong? First of all, it's a home series of five tests, which nowadays it's quite rare. Usually we have three with some uh, countries which are not up to the level of Australia or England or four. But this is a five test, which is actually a welcome change, uh, taking into account the overdose of T20 cricket these days. Number one. Secondly, the, where they went wrong, after a lead of 190, I think they did not go for the kill enough. Especially let Ole Pope and Hartley off the hook. That was the partnership, I think, that took the game away from India. Well, let's go straight to that one then. So, look, Ole Pope, I think, may have played the innings of his life. He probably played more reverse sweep than forward defences. But... What sort of mindset does it take to continue to reverse sweep knowing potentially even one missed ball can get you out? The one clarity the Indian uh, England batsman had in this series is this innings if you look at it I can actually equate it to Alistair Cook's performance in 2012 which won them the series. He hit three centuries in four test matches and Peterson also hit a 188 in uh, Mumbai, Mumbai if I remember correctly. The one clarity which gives, uh, which is given to the Sena country players, that is South Africa, England, New Zealand and Australia, is they can't block out the balls, the spinners in India. One ball will eventually get them. So that sort of a clarity gave them the opportunity to have an aggressive mindset which worked for them. So this is more than just the air quotes bass ball that is at effect or in work. So the first thing is that partnership where... He played such a free game 
were scoring at a strike rate of 70 that itself is unheard of and then those three lower order partnerships with Ben Fox, Rahan Ahmed and Tom Hartley look even at the end of three days England had a respectable lead it was not going to be a game changing lead at that point I guess on just before the close of third day there was a catch drop from Akshar Patel do you think that was the only deciding point apart from Hartley partnership or were there any other chances or were there any other strategic losses maybe the Indian team did which cost them this game? Strategically, maybe more persistence with uh, spinners. Uh, you know, Bumrah definitely did well in patches. He did very well. But actually the length and line, even I think the Indian bowlers started to bowl more of a darts rather than throwing it up and letting it grip on the pitch. That is definitely one thing which happens when the opposition player become aggressive and being consistent with the sweep shot. And talking about the strike rate of 70 and the lower order batsmen, the partnerships which were the crucial, we would I think I would definitely go back to VVS Lakshman's innings. His, his timing, his strike rate and partnerships, VVS Lakshman, Steve Waugh, Lance Klusner for some time in South Africa. I think they were the people who played that kind of innings. Recently for India, it would be Rahani. They were the kind of batsmen who changed the game from nowhere to everywhere or like nothing to everything. You know, people like Rahul Dravid could make something out of every, uh, nothing. But Vivesh Lakshman and these people could make everything out of nothing. By a few, say may probably two sessions, they will change from a defeat position and snatch the win from the jaws of defeat. Very good point. That's an excellent comparison, I think. But also, I think Pant played such an innings when India won a test in uh, Brisbane. Yeah. So, look, uh, in any case, that's a very challenging score to chase, 231. But India, I thought, did well enough to start decently when they got to 42 for no loss. And then Rohit Sharma was still playing. Yashasvi Jaiswal, I don't think he has the mental strength at the highest level yet. But he has the talent, it's clear. You saw Rohit Sharma was playing the right sort of approach. Maybe Shubman Gill, to me it looked like he was not ready to be there mentally. Or was it just an honest mistake where he's trying to block a ball and he just goes to direct catching practice to the one at the forward short leg? Shubman Gill, I think he started off very well in Australia, his test career. Also, we have to remember that not, not much was lat, not, not much of lateral movement in Australia at that time. When he scored a couple of 70s or 50 in MCG along with Rahane's 100. I think after they were bundled out cheaply in the first test. But in South Africa also, he struggled when they played early morning. They, there was an innings where I think South Africa was all out for 55 and they started late. Then he scored because the early moisture was taken out of the surface from the sun. But was that the real problem here? Because when he batted, it was close to lunch, I think. Right? It was not exactly, or even just after lunch. So, moisture does not come into it yet? In India, it's not about moisture at all. But what uh, people like Shubman Gill, Ishan Kishan, uh, having seen uh, batsmen in the 90s, early 2000 or even before, what we feel is the overdose of T20 cricket and pitches prepared in one day cricket to score 400 and above is causing their downfall in test cricket because the mental strength required to stay in 
challenging conditions has not been uh, been they haven't been prepared for that since teenage see well rohit sharma's defense is going to be a problem it it became a huge issue because the run rate sort of dropped scoring rate sort of dropped immediately but kl rahul akshar patel shreyas ayer ravindra jadeja so first of all akshar patel's promotion is that a right move i guess it is because he's a lefty and you can combat and he has the strokes what i saw is he was also looking to apply himself playing i don't know only a clear shot which was in his arc kl rahul was playing a traditional test match innings but for me between shreyas ayer and jadeja jadeja running himself out which is very very rare could that have been the turning point next turning point as uh, you rightly pointed out sending akshar patel it also had this left right combination in the middle but i think the strike rate of akshar patel 40 41 did not help this purpose that definitely we spoke about olipo because he strike rate of 70 and scoring 196 if you combine them it's a very huge match changing inning so the similar move of akshar patel did not go well because of the strike rate i think maybe the lack of initiative or maybe he felt the ball was balls were not meritoriously made meant for hitting so that was an issue but okay from then somehow india got out of it i think shreyas ayer was not very convincing but he looked to stay there and somehow you know those big shots didn't come he got out after that when you see that um, india made a comeback right at that point in time it was going to be shikhar bharat ashwin who made a wonderful partnership i thought the combination was very good just that there was a little lack of maybe awareness because the way they both got out was again a bit disappointing isn't it yes the partnership between shrikar bharat and ashwin was largely sensible the way they got out definitely as uh, ajit pointed out here was disappointing especially ashwin's dismissal because after that was exactly the point the extra half hour was initiated by ben stokes so and bumrah is somebody who has shown last two three years he can hang, hang around in the pitch and having got set played more than 60 balls almost and scored 28 and with his experience that is definitely something to be disappointed about because the extra half hour if it, they managed to lose no more wickets or just one wicket and come back tomorrow with ashwin still at the crease india had a great chance now indeed look i think shikhar bharat and ashwin did a good job as an india fan i had given up but from there to about 176 119 to about 176 that was a wonderful match almost match saving partnership but then shikhar bharat to be bold for what i thought was a stock delivery he just missed a stock delivery he was bold and ashwin was a real brain fed right he stepped out and got stumped and you are absolutely right that mental game where he got out the over after ben stokes took the um, extra half hour that meant that meant he was looking to finish off and ashwin thought i'll punch counter punch or i'll finish off the game before you have a chance that was a that was unfortunate because look you as a batsman know who's played 80 balls and played 100 plus tests you know what it's all about but i guess nobody need to tell this toshun he'll probably be blaming himself the most given his experience and his acumen i i thought bumrah and uh, siraj hang, hung in there well they took india past to 100 see this is in no way a shameful defeat but considering the position at the end of the first innings india will be definitely disappointed so where do you see india go from here there is also a lack of personnel now no kohli no jadeja and also no rahul 
So three big players missing out from the 11, more or less certain in the 11, right? So first of all, how will India deal with the disappointment? Where will they go with the lack of players and how do they choose their next team? Yes, the disappointment, see, firstly, this is a big series. Uh, as I said before, it's not a three match or a four match. So coming back, we have some room for coming back because we have four more tests left. That is the first thing. Secondly, the big players missing. See, such big players missing abroad would have been a much tougher thing to come back. But in India, you know, you have players like uh, Rajat Patidar who is in an amazing form in Ranji Trophy. And players like Washington Sundar. I think I remember the partnership he scored with uh, the other fast bowler. Shardul Thakur. Which brought India back. It was a 160-170 run partnership which brought India back and then they went on to famously win the test match. So, with such experience and home conditions, which is being the key, India should not panic much. Definitely, there should be some more imagination, I think, from the part of Rohit Sharma in terms of the captaincy. Alright, when it comes to people, you would choose for the second test starting. First of all, how do you expect the conditions in uh, Vaisak? Do you expect a really turning pitch? Do you expect India to go air quotes into their shell where a rank turner would be presented? Look, this was a good pitch. There was turn from day one, but it was steady turn, predictable turn. And the pitch only started behaving badly once, as always, at the end of third day, fourth day, when the pitch starts crumbling, the pitch started, of course, keeping low and so on. So that for me is a good pitch. So at the end of the day, it offered a good contest where even in the third innings, there was a match changing innings. So, in this case, what do you see in terms of pitch? That's number one. But also, there are four people, let's just say, who are in contention for, let's say, three spots. Kohli spot and, and now KL Rahul and Jadeja. So, in terms of spinners, Kuldeep Yadav and Washington Sundar are already in the squad. I don't expect any other person to take that one spot. But when it comes to batting, so with no Kohli and Shubman Gill not really firing, so now comes the tough question. Will Gil be dropped or will he be retained given one more go? Because at the end of second test, there will be some change in personnel. We can definitely expect because Kohli might come back. But also some other things might happen. So now, Sarfraz is not as hot as he was one year ago. But Sarfraz is in a good position. Rajat Patidar is now running hot. So the questions are, if Gil retains his spot, who will take um, KL Rahul's spot? Also, if Gil were to go or whether he wouldn't go, would you choose both Sarfraz and Patidar? At the moment, Shuman Gil should have one more go. Because it's, a, as I said, five test series, you shouldn't really make a change before two tests. That is a fair go for a player, whether it's a batsman or a bowler. And at home, as I said, you know, one good innings of 60 or 70 at a strike rate of 80 can change the match in terms of India's favour. Then... Coming to the pitch, I think India, we have a wonderful pitch because previous series at home, especially last 2-3 years and under Dhoni's captaincy, you know, Kohli's captaincy, there were a few pitches where the match went to the 4th, 5th day. Dhoni's captaincy, there were 3-day test matches. The last series, England series, Ahmedabad test, I think it was less than 2 days. So, we sh this is definitely is not good and we should have hope for a pitch where it starts turning well from the T on third day, then it will at least go to the fourth day providing for an even contest. Rajat Patidar being in hot form, 
Kuldeep Yadav should come in because of his vari variations. Because he has also had very good success against England, even in England. He's got a 5-4, in an ODI, 6-4 in a T20. So he knows how to wear, bowl where the pitch is exactly not ranked turners. So the only thing I could think of that might work against Kuldeep ahead of Sundar, he's upped his pace in the recent months. That has bought him a lot of success in the shorter formats. In the longer formats, given that England also play like they are playing an ODI, it might be the same equation. So you might have, but Washington Sundar gives you better batting. And you yourself said, Washington Sundar is a slightly better bat and he's had these memorable partnerships. So then if you were to be able to choose only one spinner, which highly likely Ashwin won't budge, neither will Akshar, given that both can also bat. Then will it be Sundar or will it be um, Kuldeep? In fact, I would go ahead and say that uh, we, because Rahul is not available, uh, Kohli is not available anyway. So, yes, it should be, in, if you look at it as an all-rounder's perspective, because again, this comes back to the home series. See, home series is where you expect your batsmen to score big, even if they are newcomers. So, if you go like that, then you take cooling. But if you feel the need for Sundar's batting, then you have then Sundar will be the one who go for. But again, the trajectory of his bowling is more like bowling darts, whereas Kuldeep will flight it up more, creating more chances for dismissals. Especially we have seen an innings from Oli Pope like that. Such bowling can give more chances even if the batsman looks in fine nick. Sarfraz or Rajat Patidar or both. I would definitely go for Rajat Patida. At the moment, he is firing in the Ranji Trophy. Sarfraz, of course, his brother is firing in the Under-19 World Cup. But again, Sarfraz uh, is definitely a talented player. But somehow, uh, for modern day fitness, uh, he doesn't look the part at all. <laughs> and maybe he has improved his fitness. But again, he may not need that fitness. But again, for a modern day cricketer, I think even his fitness needs to be looked into. Look, this is one of those uh, tough debates to have because if you remember the example of Inzamam losing some weight and not being able to make a single run to save his life as they say. Look, some people are born big, big bone and that is what it's all about when it comes to their game because that lazy elegance Inzamam had, the time he had when facing fast bowlers was because of that bulk and the transfer of power that he could even from completely backward, I remember once sitting in the crowd in Bangalore. I think we were together <laughs> on that day. And I remember an Inzamam slapped to Kumble off back foot. I felt it in the stands. I was in the stands, it felt like he had slapped my face. It was a slap through Medovic. The power, I don't know where you generate because I think it's his bulk. I know there is the place for an athlete in the modern world, especially in cricket, where the cricket landscape has changed completely. but. If that is his asset and that's what makes him so good. So, I have actually seen Safras' couple of innings on TV. I think he's an exceptional player when it comes to how he times the ball and how hard he hits the ball. But also, I think he's over the last couple of years, he's learned the tricks of the trade. For example, when he's away from the ball. That is his biggest weakness, they say. Because when he gets close to the ball, you know how hard he hits it. When he's away from the ball, he can't time it. So, he's sort of he tries to go hard at the ball and that leads to nicks and so on. I think he's come to a point where he's beginning to use his wrists when the ball is away from him. That we have seen. So when you look at all that, I would back Sarfraz 
but then i understand rajat patidar is also a very evolved cricketer this is not the rajat patidar who was at the domestic scene 3 4 years ago and he's grown in such a way that even at the age of 30 i think he still he still has a lot to offer to this indian team so then it's a sort of a tough choice for me but i would still go for well sarfaz abhav rajat because of proven long long format credentials right so this is one thing next thing england they have lost leech to injury so we've heard bashir will make his debut the guy who had such a lot of drama just to land in yes. india and so on but then jimmy anderson has been chosen so your thoughts on the england squad for the test tomorrow firstly uh, losing leech is definitely a uh, this thing because he also known you know for his famous uh, stickability the one not out with uh, ben stokes in the ashes of course not only with the ball and also for his stickability with the bat jimmy anderson of course was not part of the first test playing 11 but with his experience and uh, i think he can also reverse the ball when the ball gets old and that will be an asset and in england uh, you know uh, it's very rare for them to go one up in an india series in an away series against india so that itself regardless of the personnel should give them great confidence of course we one thing we didn't touch upon is the brilliance of ben stokes again in the jadeja run out and that was definitely one of the turning points definitely jadeja was there the match is over basically you can hit 40 50 60 not out in a very sensible manner maybe it is cycled of 70 or if required at the cycled of 45 he is capable of both so whereas england for the second test will be confident after their great performance but again if you look at lot of england victories in the last 5 years it is more due to individual brilliance that to convert that into a team brilliance and more people contributing to the side i think will take them longer in terms of success in test cricket no absolutely well ben stokes also had a very impactful innings in the first of the test first innings of the test okay. so fine uh, for now what is your prediction when it comes to how this test match will go vaizad this test match definitely now is uh, it is like a wake up call for india see if you look at momentum in test cricket they had won the second test in south africa and after the 190 lead in the first innings definitely looked like they carry the momentum forward which did not happen due to a couple of individual brilliances but now india will definitely pull up the socks regardless of whoever is selected and will make a comeback in the series definitely it will be one all after wizard wow that's a bullish prediction but look you'll never write england out as we just saw because uh, they were also in a position where without those lower order partnership could have been india chasing 70 and you know game over pretty quickly all right let's see if that comes to pass now moving on to the other quite miraculous test match that happened and the result we saw which was west indies versus australia look nobody gave any chance to this west indies team with so many newbies in the squad right so their best hope was a low scoring test if australia batted and put on 450 500 i think the game would have been beyond the west indies that never happened and australia have not scored big in the entire home series so far so that's something else now coming on to this specific test first of all west indies batted first made 311 that's a very reasonable score and you thought even though he was declaring behind right so there was enough there in the pitch in the dying moments of day 
that they would exploit it maybe try and get some advantage i'm talking of pat cummins declaring quite early he was batting unbeaten who knows hazelwood can hang on you know so that meant all he had to do was see out a few overs and then come back next morning still give a little bit of pain back to west indies maybe gain a 20 run lead but he declared 20 odd runs behind and west indies again came out and you see i i think i i really appreciate the way somebody like you know joshua de silva and uh, kavam hodge ali katnaze all of these people they played in the second innings i mean at that stage before ali katnaze was dismissed you know around 3 for 123 lead of 150 you are actually in a very commanding position from there they suddenly lost a couple of quick wickets which is known to happen this is an inexperienced side they still ended up with about 193 and one guy injured out one guy whose i think toe might be broken because his when we saw on tv his nail was split and he was bleeding from it you thought that's his participation of the test done he will not be able to bowl again and then the rest of it was a sheer miracle right so for him to come and look steven smith more or less proved his credentials as a test opener you can tell me your thoughts on this but when steven smith and cameron cameron green were batting you saw 2 for 112 chasing no more than you know uh, 100 runs from that point on you would think the game is done what happened can you lead us through your thoughts on the test and more importantly that final amazing spell see first of all i think this victory as you rightly pointed out on two important things one is australia not scoring heavily throughout the home series you know even the previous series that was beneficial and the second most beneficial was this west indies team not carrying the baggage of defeats like the earlier west indies team because there are seven uncapped players in this squad which br- brought in a new lease of life and they have not tasted defeat especially the defeat what happened in the qualifiers in zimbabwe in the world cup which they could not qualify for the first time ever part of that team it would have been a different story but this team being so young and fresh they never lost hope and this shamar joseph uh, definitely watched this spell the highlights of his uh, 7 for 64 and it was unbelievable everything was targeting the stumps and as we all know uh, pitches in uh, the south africa england new zealand australia they are more of the gully catches slip catches caught behind or caught back pad because of the bounce but this guy managed to have clean bowled a lot of batsmen that means he pitched the ball well up and that means he also gave the batsmen a chance to drive straight or through covers and ended up hitting their wickets which they did not expect this kind of mature bowling from a bowler who's just in his second test after that painful injury absolutely it was a miraculous spell seven in a row and in one spell one spell of bowling i saw most of it live i couldn't believe my eyes what was going on simply because i more or less switched in at about just when cameron green had been dismissed i still thought the game it's game done because you expect a couple of stroke makers like head and carry to follow both of whom like the square shots to bowl straight at them all the time bowls the number of bowls and the other thing right he's actually pacer than he looks and it is yeah very skiddy of the pitch and it at 145 actually there are a couple of how do you deliver 145 with a broken toe i don't know i think this goes right with those um miraculous spells of the indian bowlers i think um 
Marshall bowled with a broken hand, I remember. Holding did something like this. So it goes straight at to that level for somebody like him. And it's a miraculous story. We know about him. He gave up being a lifeguard or a, no, a security guard to come back and you know, do this. But of course, look, you're absolutely right when it comes to that, uh, that, you know, no baggage, absolutely nothing to think of, nothing to worry. But also, I think they were led well. I would like to give a little bit of credit to Craig Brathwaite. The positivity that was infused uh, in them in the dressing room. Saying, you know what, he tells us after the game, his thanks is to the doctor because he was not planning to come to the ground that day, he says. He says, I'm there because he told me to come back to the team, we'll see. When he's in the ground, he's told, I have a you know backup plan. Do you want to play? He's like, yeah, man, get me out there. And then they inject him with some painkiller. He's out there and he does this miracle. And probably he knew he did not have more than that spell, that one spell, however long it went on. You would expect this is where Australia, being the more experienced team, I thought Stark had the right idea until he was dismissed. Stark did the right job of supporting uh, Stephen Smith perfectly. All they needed to do was go on for another five to six overs. The game was in their hands because then, see, Alzari Joseph was bowling like the wind. He was bowling really fast, but it was very wavered. And he was bowling at your head or at your toes all the time. And he was wavered when he came close to you. So that, that means runs were there. Stark did it right. I was looking at it. And that's where I think for a change, Australia was out-thought. In a pure cricketing sense, they were out-thought. And that, you know, I, I can't believe the scenes at the end of the test where you had uh, Lara in tears, Hooper in tears, some legends as far as that game and that region is concerned. And wonderful to see. And again, these are the sort of test matches we live for. The real fairy tales. Yes. Right? Both cases, England winning from a 190 behind and of course, West Indies taking a result where nobody expected them to even last three days, right? And this test match didn't last three days. All right. So, wonderful, wonderful, uh, you know, Philip, if you're a test match fan. But now the ODI starts uh, tomorrow, the series, ODI series. You see a lot of newbies in this West Indian, West Indian team as well. Rashton Chase comes back. Kevin Hodge, Justin Graves are retained. Romario Shepard, a very exciting player, is there. Matthew Ford, Fast bowler is there. Again, somebody who took like three. Ocean Thomas. Ocean Tank Thomas is back. Hadel Walsh. I'm looking forward to him as well. So, and of course, you have a very experienced captain, Shai Hope, right? Who will be sort of leading the pack. You will expect the seniors to stand up. And shorter the game, the more chance the less experienced team and so on. Do you again give this West Indian team any chance in the ODI and T20A series? Definitely with their confidence going into the ODI after that upliftment of the victory, at GABA, it's definitely going to give them a chance. But again, Australia are going to come back very strong because they weren't expected to lose that match. Having said that, even for Test cricket, you know, the failures of Tagnery in Chandrapal, I think it's a very good option now for the West Indies. Yes, Rostin Chase may not be very young, but he definitely has the temperament and technique to be an opener. And he, he is a very good all-rounder with the off-spin. He's got fifers in test cricket. So we should see. And Shea Hope coming back. Shea Hope is very, very big when it comes to ODI cricket, especially because, you know, of course, he had that memorable Headingley test where he had scored two hundreds, which was never done in almost 200 years of first-class cricket in Headingley. So that was great. And he transferred that form into one-day cricket last three years. He has been very well uh, performing at, at the one-day level and definitely this test victory should boost their confidence, 
especially like Athenes who has been like contributing 30, 40s and 40s but would like to carry on to bigger scores. Well, when it comes to Australia, you see quite a lot of new faces. You see Lance Morris, the X-Man, they call him Xavier Bartlett, right? And all the big fast bowlers rested, right? And then uh, including the skipper. So you have Nathan Ellis, Jai Richardson. And Glenn Maxwell has been withdrawn. I'll park it there. I'll get back on it. Steven Smith has been given the captaincy. And Jake Fraser McGurk, who's been scoring, you know, consistently and is now considered the next big thing in Australian batting. He's there. So Matthew Short, also very promising all-rounder. He's there. So... From Australia's side, they also have some newbies. There is a chance the Western Indies team could put at least one game past them, if not the series. But then, I think we should quickly touch upon your favourite player, Glenn Maxwell. What happened there? Another uh, drunken mishap, potentially? You can never say with these uh, talented people. You know, Ben Stokes went through that for a per- over a period of time, like maybe a long time ago, like 5-6 years ago. And now, he's a much more mature cricketer after that. Glenn Maxwell, after that heroic innings against Afghanistan in the World Cup, is never seen before innings with the injury, the way he took it, it was unbelievable. And this Glenn Maxwell can turn the game on its head on any day. And West Indies, of course, Australia, what they are doing is they are giving a lot of youngsters a chance. Of course, expecting an easier series against West Indies. But I feel the key player in this series will be Adam Zampa. How the West Indies will handle the spin of Adam Zampa, given the bounce of Aussie pitchers. You know, West Indies pitchers are nowadays, you know, last 20 years also like subcontinent. They turn, but they are slower in turn. But Australian pitchers get more bounce. So how they handle Adam Zampa will actually decide the series through the overs 11 to 40. Well, yeah, good point. Also, they have a couple of fast bowlers withdrawn. So, you, they'll heavy, rely heavily on Will Sutherland as a newbie. Cameron Green will look to re-establish his credentials. Sean Abbott, Aaron Hardy. So, because they also lack a couple of uh, established faces here. Their batting order looks really strong. But then their bowlers, because Ellis is not there, Jay Richardson is not there. But Spencer Johnson um, also could have been there. I thought he would be introduced into the squad when both of these were withdrawn. But, okay, we'll see. Lance Morris has something to prove. But, of course, right, people like all of these people like... Um, Cameron Green or Sean Abbott, this is a chance to step up, become the main man, right? There's no Mitchell Marsh either. So there's a lot of chance here for somebody like that to become, you know, established in the squad without any doubt because they really want Cameron Green to succeed. So he's been made to bat at number four. He's been also included in the ODI squad. Let's see if that really comes through. But yeah, it's going to be an exciting series. And as you said, Maverick nature sometimes, uh, yeah, you gave, turn the game on the head or you just turn yourself on the head, I guess. Sometimes it's possible. That's what I think Maxwell did. Because those words of his coach was very... They talk about these things very carefully. So when he said, a 34-year-old Maxwell, this is not a 21-year-old Maxwell, 24-year-old Maxwell. He said, you should look at the choices on how he spends his free time. I think he's clearly saying, don't drink so much or don't party so much. Right? So, all right. That's, that's what it's going to be. We always knew with Maxwell. But we'll take what we get. As long as there are those sort of innings, that 200, which we'll talk of forever. All right. From that point on, I think uh, you had a good look at the ongoing Under-19 World Cup. So, if you can give us a summary of how you think the World Cup is going on. Any really notable players from, doesn't matter which squad. Yes, the Under-19 World Cup is definitely a look into the future of cricket. And India, of course, as I mentioned, Sarfraz Khan brother is a shining light among all players, especially batsmen. 
in the under 19 world cup with two centuries already of course the captain has been playing some wonderful supporting role like Uday Saharan he's been playing some good innings yesterday he got out against New Zealand uh, when he was set but again sitting pretty top of the points table in the super six India and Pakistan and of course if you remember the previous world cup under 19 in South Africa Bangladesh beat India in the final and going by that I am definitely sure this format of course has been a change and a key format where the top of the group in the group stages will not meet. BC meet the second and third team, the top top of the table and A and D. So it's ADBC basically the draw and India definitely look very nice and especially the spinner Pandey. He has been really bowling well and getting a lot of wickets in the middle overs which always makes the contest turn on its head when it comes to limited overs cricket. There are other uh, batsmen, of course, like the all-rounder Stoke for South Africa. I think he hit a 17 ball 50 uh, to uh, get South Africa to the top of the table where three teams had similar points, England, West Indies and South Africa. And they chased 217, 27 overs to get to the top of the table because of his innings. So that was again a maverick performance like Maxwell as we spoke before. But again, there are promising signs from Namibia. I think now the senior team is doing quite well under the former South African all-rounder. Asia. Yeah. And now the youngsters are coming on really well. And one good thing in these ICC events now is that they are trying to bring in more teams to the tournament. Unlike, unlike mm. 10, there were some World Cups which had 14. Mm. And now the next ICC T20 will have 20 teams. Perfect. With yeah. Uganda coming in at the expense of Zimbabwe, which of is slightly disappointing. But again, it's at the home of West Indies. And New York will see the India-Pakistan match in a newly built uh, 35,000 stadium. Mm -hmm. So, all in all, if you look at the Under-19 World Cup, India and Pakistan. And the third team, of course, who are also on top of the table right now, Australia with their fast bowling charge and batsman like Hicks, he is scoring wonderfully well and that definitely augurs well for the business end of the tournament. Thank you. That's a lovely summary. But uh, if I were to ask you, definitely who will be your pick for the winner of the tournament? If you go by the overall, see the athleticism in fielding, fast bowling, batting and spin. If you go by all aspects of cricket, Definitely India looked the very stronger team like Pakistan for example yesterday they had a match where they're chasing around 170 they were going well their sudden collapse and there's a batsman called Ahmad he finished not out around 60 to guide them home so such hiccups are not being seen from the Indian team that is where India truly you know stand a chance and we would be hoping for an India Australia final those were the two deserving teams of the tournament so far. Well, you've given pretty much a premonition of what happened with the Senior World Cup. Yes. Last year. Because that's what happened with the Indian team. No hiccups, no real mishaps that they could recover from and, you know, gain courage. And fine, well, they met a Red Hot Australia who sort of picked up heat in the last two to three games. Well, Dew. And mm. Dew was there, but mm. Travis had yeah. also. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we'll see if that comes to pass and hope they break the habit of losing finals from that level onwards. Where they have lost the fear of losing finals. Right? Alright. Now, 
uh, there was also another T20 series between uh, South Africa and Australia women. So it was uh, a wonderful series, very well contested. I think uh, South Africa did something. They broke their own sort of uh, hoodoo. They beat Australia for the first time in Australian uh, conditions in a T20 and they won uh, sort of a low scoring second game. So the first game was won by Australia, second game by South Africa. Here, Laura Woldward, the captain, played really well. It was a low scoring game and they could control the chase beautifully and sort of take South Africa home. But in the decider, I thought South Africa at the halfway stage would have been thinking they can still win it because again, a wonderful innings from Marizan Kaap this time and good support from Annika Bosch, Chloe Trion, Nadine de Clark, all usual suspects must be said. And 162 in 20 hours, that's a decent target. And with the bowling they have, the confidence their bowling had, simply because Marizan Kaap, Ayabonga Kaka came back into the team, Masabata class sort of looked good. All of these people and Chloe Trion, she can do good job in the middle hours controlling, you know, the scoring. I thought it was their game to lose and they went on to lose. Thanks to people like, uh, you know, Tale Magrath, Ashley Gardner sort of keeping their cool. I think Ashley Gardner won the game and of course Beth Mooney, until she got out, we were always, almost always thought if Mooney is out, the game is gone. Apparently not because Ashley Gardner won them the game. So it was, it was one of those, again, a clear indications for me on how this Australian team has evolved to, you know, continuously take, it's almost like watching a boxer who's being continuously pummeled and about sort of woozy on his feet or her feet until they know they have this one left upper hook. If they can land it, you're out. And they do it every time. So the question for you more than what happened on the field is, you know, you work with enough youngsters. How do you build this mentality where you sort of somehow stay on your feet knowing that there's this one punch you have and all you have to do is hit it right. And that's what Ashley Gardner actually did. She took down one bowler, one over of Marizan Cup, and then that's it, the match ended. So, what are your thoughts on this? This Australian mindset is more to apply to all sports, saying hmm. you stay in the present. Hmm. You don't think about the previous ball, you don't think about the next ball, you just think about the present ball, that is the current ball, what you are going to face. Hmm. Secondly, is the aggressive mindset. It was set by Steve Waugh, if I remember. In 98-99, mm. some bold declarations, mm. sledging, I mean, of course, it can be called as gamesmanship. Gamesmanship, yeah. And it, which is very important in cricket and it has proven to be so for a long time. Only West Indies could do it in the 70s, 80s because they were very proficient with their pace and bounce. They didn't need to sledge. So now Australia came in with Steve's captaincy. They just were aggressive. If you look at the 2003 World Cup final, I think they just took apart India with 360. I think that set the template for even the women's cricket, the way they play. You know, uh, I would uh, look at uh, T20 World Cup final India versus Australia mm, mm, in uh, MCG, I think in Australia, where they did the same thing. 180, 190. Semi-final. Huh. 180, 190, uh, maybe a semi-final or a final. Mm, where okay. they actually took, it, uh, took India apart. That is what they do when it comes to deciders and knockout matches in ICC events. ICC Champions Trophy in South Africa. World Cup Final. World Cup Final this time. You know, everything, they just, on the mat, they, they just don't change their game plan mm -hmm. with fall of wickets. Mm -hmm. That is the most important and they have people like Beth Mooney who is very, very dependable. Mm. People like Alicia Healy, 
she can play a not out say the 50 over final she played 175 or something like that hmm. so people like that the stage does not create a fear in their mind see we talk about india losing finals recently hmm. Hmm. i mean they have been losing it since a long time because i mean i have been very critical hmm. tendulkar not much in the final so that kind of a thing their main players do stand up in the final that's what makes the difference no absolutely i think it's that lack of fear and presence of mind and just stay in the moment i think at any point in time i think this is all is what is needed in yes. sport and maybe even in real life yes it's a lesson for all of us on how well this australian team you know shapes up even in terms of uh, having a difficult period so wonderful thanks for your insight there now um well that leaves us a couple of uh, off field interesting news so first of all the icc awards the 2023 year awards are out and cummins well i think is perfectly deserved you know men's cricketer of the year and uh, khwaja is the men's test cricketer of the year kohli is the men's t20a cricketer of uh, odi cricketer of the year t20a surya when it comes to women chamari atapattu has done a double she is both the odi and the t20a cricketer of the year and the women's cricketer of the year is uh natsiver brunt so this is i think a very deserved sort of uh, lineup as far as all of the awards are concerned but when it comes to pat cummins when you look at his performances i'm sure there are many players who stood above his in terms of pure numbers but from a captaincy perspective what is the freshness what is this new thing that cummins has bought to an already undauntable australian team so that they are now able to step up they won the world test championship under him before just before that if you remember they had also won the t20 world cup then he took them to two trophies in 2023 i think there was no doubt he was going to be the cricketer of the year but from your pure you know sports trainer's perspective what do you see that makes him in special we spoke about uh, you know a couple of moments ago we spoke about craig bathwaite and pat cummins see these two players were not seen as stars i think that is what has made the difference they can think from an ordinary player's perspective sometimes a star cannot be a good captain well i think cummins mm-hmm. more than uh, brathwaite is a more accomplished yeah. player definitely yeah. definitely but in their countries Correct. if you look proportionately in ah. their countries ah. so you're giving say shay hope is a much bigger star in odi uh, compared to brathwaite jason holder was considered a much bigger all-rounder same way australia if you say steve smith obviously is a great batsman he averages Star. almost around more than 65 in test cricket mm-hmm. so if you look at those things and you give up captaincy to somebody who's not a talent or a pure talent like glen maxwell or somebody like that Star. so what happens is they can definitely think from the ground level mm-hmm. and they can think in the shoes of an ordinary player that is what makes them extract more out of their players absolutely i think you saw his decision making i was there live for one and a half days quite fantastic in the field pat cummins nothing out of the ordinary but just what is needed right then and there he came and took crucial wickets he himself came into form leading into the world cup semi final final his choice of including travis head in spite of not being available for half a tournament for him to come through and then you know he did what he did in the semi final final all of these i think you are right he had this captaincy knack you said you know you pick and you back the right players and enough times he himself stood up he took five fours in tests he took a 10 for 
and he's done it all so i think very deserved he's very near the peak of his career both as a captain and as a player maybe some say he can get better as a player and that's scary if you're everyone else looking on because stark is still a couple of years to go hazelwood still has a couple of years to go what would these three do because those four with lion only quartered with 250 plus in tests ever in 200 plus years or whatever right so it's crazy so all that having said i think he's still a wonderful cricketer we again saw what he did in the last west indies test west indian test where well he lost he gambled and lost that can happen but he was the one who took australia out of trouble again once carry and then khaza had been dismissed mm-hmm. right so that's fantastic and then uh, your thoughts on uh, natsiver brunt what she's able to do in that year natsiver brunt i think uh, any amount of kudos is not enough because she's really come on as an all-rounder now i think with the bat in any format of the game a 50 is a guarantee from her and even if she's not picking wickets she is economical she's bowling uh, back of a length wicket to wicket and where there's a little swing there's some edges here and there you know played on where the wicket is slow and things like that but especially as a batsman and the power she's getting through square leg and covers especially i've noticed that is like a uh, man's power it's like men's cricket she's really putting the weight forward into the stroke and we why we are, i'm saying this is because the bowlers you can see that they are not wholehearted when bowling to her nowadays you know because they fear that they are going to get hit and she's going to finish the match not out you know not as much maybe as ben stokes level but maybe at least 50% so indeed she's at a probably the peak of her career in terms of achievement as well as in terms of what you said an aura she carries where pe- people are intimidated i think the only other person the only other women's cricketer or men's cricketer i'm going to be blunt about it who could have equaled her is chamari atapattu i mean <laughs> with her sometimes it's all her hatik but then she can bowl very well she's also an all-rounder and i mean i think we are going to notice how much her contributions to women cricket or after she retires after time is done it's like when we talk about many great cricketers when you see after the time is so i think chamari atapattu is one of those players for me and she also carries that aura i mean she has that jaisuriya like destroying power with the bat and very canny off spin pretty much like jaisuriya again i call her the jaisuriya of women's cricket yeah. it's quite something and i thought she was the only person who could have pipped natsiver brunt yes. and she deservedly was the a person or the player of the women's cricket in the both other formats so fantastic for her and uh, so it's very nice to see the right sort of people being recognized stat wise also from a pure you know um, ethos and what they bring to cricket that's fantastic to see so kudos to icc for these awards the last one well it's a bit of an ongoing seesaw sort of a news where sri lankan cricket is now no longer banned by icc so they have lifted the suspension because they are no longer in breach of membership obligations whatever that is that is government interference and all that So well I guess there's always going to be a little bit of spice with South Asian cricket it can't be taken away with any country around doesn't matter which one so from that perspective do you see any more drama here because now they because they lost the ability to you know host the T20 World Cup uh, the under 19 World Cup it was taken away from them that's already a big penalty but then i remember they had the board asked for themselves to be suspended because the new government interference was coming because it was almost like the government minister had some vendetta against many of those players and many of those people in the board from that perspective 
um, I don't know if you can shed more light if you have any more news and how it may evolve this drama or is this the last chapter? There will probably be another chapter but go on. Yes, I think uh, Sri Lankan cricket now is a tale of uh, two sides of the same coin mm. in the sense that mm. players wise, just the last generation like 20 years, mm. they had the best of the players in the same lineup mm. who brought them glory many ICC finals. And one tournament. But one tournament in yeah. Bangladesh, 2014, where uh, Sangakara finished with 52 not out for yeah. his last tournament, uh, him and uh, Jayavardhane. Correct. And of course, now with the ongoing struggles with the board, mm. the salaries, which has been going for years, mm. the effort the cricketers have been put on, on the, putting on on the field mm. is really commendable. And now, coming on down to this Under-19 World Cup also, they have been showing great effort, especially this fellow Kalupahana, I mean, he is bowling, batting and fielding. He has been the man of Sri Lankan team mm. for the World Cup so far. Hopefully, they clear up the mess with all these uh, problems with the ICC. And we have to see better cricketers because we have seen so many talented players. And they have, of course, uh, calling in some new names for the Afghanistan test, which should also augur well for the test cricket and cricket in general in the island. All right. Let's just hope, you know, with that new test, the one-off test starting uh, yes, Afghanistan, they are able to put all of this behind them. New players and all is fine because they expect, you know, with no Rashid Khan, um, they might not get the same sort of uh, contest and they may actually, there's a new captain, right? they may actually, you know, experiment a little. I'm sure Afghanistan will give them a surprise or three, which you expect always with Afghanistan. Yes. But I... See this as a potential fulfillment of one of my favorite players in the world stage, Tananjay De Silva's career, because he's always left a lot to be desired. Because he was, he was like Maxwell with kind of maturity to play test innings like that. Yeah. So he's equally completely destructive, but also well self-destructive otherwise. So I'm really hoping he can take Sri Lanka to new heights and this new board and everything new setup. We really hope you know, Sri Lanka can do well. Hmm. All right, those were all the topics I had in mind. Thank you very much once again, Chetan. It's been, uh, as they say, a long time between drinks. I'll make sure that uh, I bring you on as a guest more often. So that's uh, always good. But uh, before I let you go, would you have anything to shout out? Any articles you wrote in newspapers or any other thing? You have any other nice events you, you have coming up that you would like to talk about? Uh, of course, it's a pleasure to speak about cricket all the time and giving some examples from other sports also, like me belonging to tennis. And we spoke about this uh, staying in the present. I think uh, if people do remember or follow a little bit of tennis also, they would know Novak Djokovic. That's what he does. He is the least talented out of the big three, what we talk. He's but he is the man who can stay in the present and look after his fitness, which is definitely a model for anyone, it's even, even in cricket, definitely. And it's a pleasure talking to Ajit as always and some of his other guests during some of his other post podcast and would love to come back often maybe three four times a year and discuss a lot more because the, nowadays the women's cricket has also gained so much popularity we also see women's cricket so it's 12 months a year of cricket non-stop so definitely would like to share my views thank you lovely so um would you like to shout out your uh, maybe Instagram account, people who are following? Yes, my Instagram account 
chetan dot underscore dot tennis chetan dot underscore dot tennis i am coming close to some thousand followers now and have pretty good content on tennis and uh, some content on ron bopan also recently won the australian open and some food and travel content which is of course far and few between lovely lovely so we wish all our listeners a good day wherever they may be listening from and we once again thank you for your patronage and hope to have your company in the coming episodes as well thank you and bye bye thank you this is the armchair cricket podcast Podcast Network.